Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors, Macabre Manor of Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm Jody. And I'm James. Tell me, Jody, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking an arrogant bastard ale. Ah, so you're drinking yourself. Woohoo! <laughs> that takes talent! <laughs> or, or no lower vertebrae. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not that flexible. <laughs> how, how do you know? <laughs> um, I'm too fat. <laughs> Uh, from drinking all this arrogant bastard ale. <laughs> uh, uh, thought you were going to say something like I did when, uh, as a teenager, and people be like, "Hey, you know, you can get head from a vacuum cleaner." And I'd be like, "I doesn't fit." <laughs> oh wait, I mean, how how do you know? <laughs> uh, <And> anyway, <laughs> I am drinking something that fits our topic quite well. It Ooh. is. Back Country Session IPA. Nice. I've never had it. Uh, Bloomington Brewing Company, pretty decent Session IPA, low ABV. Not a English session, but you know, not, not as not as high as the uh, American sessions that we've we've discussed in a previous episode. Oh, okay. Uh, but why does it fit? I hear people clamoring to ask. Why? Why does it fit, James? Why? See, there, there's the clamoring. <laughs> Somebody had to clamor. <laughs> is, is a one-person clamor really a clamor? <laughs> um, when, when it's us? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, it fits because the Hobbits is, after Frodo moved to Crick Hollow, and uh -huh. ordered for one night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, long enough to have the second batch of mushrooms given by wonderful Farmer Maggot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, they they tramped their way through the back country to avoid the main roads and try to get to Rivendell and avoid the Black Riders. Uh huh. How'd that work out? Well, <laughs> <laughs> depending on if you count <laughs> old man. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't, I'm not sure why you're listening to this episode. <laughs> Although maybe we will get somebody to listen to an audible or read the actual book of fellowship of the ring who knows yeah yeah because this is not in the movie <laughs> no it is not it is not indeed and, and we'll discuss that too as to what happens from the time they leave hobbiton to the time they get to the prancing pony and brie yep because you know they're actually um one of them especially is one of my one of my favorite chapters in the whole trilogy and i like them all but i'm also okay with them not being in the movie which we've discussed. We, we uh, why stuff doesn't make it in the movie sometimes. Although we'll probably talk about it again this episode. There's a good chance because that was a year ago and I don't remember. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, so, um, I mean, wait, we've been doing this that long? Oh, wait, yes, we have. <laughs> we, we have actually. This will come out just days before our first anniversary. Woohoo! Woo! And and I know you have given shout outs in a previous episode, but as I've engineered, I'm not entirely sure they're still there. So um, <laughs> because a few a few recordings ago, we were both quite drunk. <laughs> yes, I would like to apologize for all the F-bombs I dropped. <laughs> not yeah. saying I'm not going to do it again, just probably not quite at the frequency I did in <laughs> those episodes we recorded that night. <laughs> yeah, watch your potty mouth. <laughs> 
as a matter of fact, I know for a fucking fact. <laughs> I'm going to drop more f bombs. Hey, fucking foul mouth fucker. Uh, wait, what was that? Fuck you, you fucking fuck. No, furry <laughs> footed fuckers. <laughs> I don't. Was I drunk when I said that? Yes, yes, you were. <laughs> okay. And, and I know that because you actually kind of whisper slurred it. <laughs> Ah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fun <laughs> times. <laughs> in, in, indeed. <laughs> so speaking of furry-footed fuckers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so in happiness of our one-year anniversary and Hobbit Day, just a couple days from now, uh, yeah. we are, of course, talking about when Frodo, Mary, Pippin, and Sam leave Frodo's house and go through the old forest uh -huh. and stuffs. Stuffs uh, and stuffs and what's not. Yeah, which which I think is one of our drinking words because I actually taped our drinking terms right here above my computer. Yes, I believe what's not is a drinking term. If it's not, it was supposed to be. It is. I just drank. Ah, and I did too. Excellent. Um. Oh, hey, cool. My um my 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 mug that I'm drinking out of, actually, kind of looks like the mug on the um coaster. I'm setting the mug back down on. Well, aren't you just a fancy lad? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just coincidence. <laughs> Sounds like a, a Victorian times gang. <laughs> Watch out for Bull Brummel and his fancy lad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> sorry, getting away from the Regency. Mm. I, I don't have much in the actual old forest, old man willow type of thing, at least until they meet uh, Tom Bombadil. But of course, I'm open to talk about it. Oh, okay. So um, if you have something. Uh, old forest, old forest. No. Um, outside of the fact that we had a, a couple of willow trees in the yard when I was growing up. Yeah, I, I don't tend to think of those trees. Oh, okay, so well, I don't remember why the second one got cut down, but the first one had to be cut down because it kind of fell over in a storm, and, and you know, it was it was in the road. <laughs> well, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah, you know, we we actually had a little tree too in the house where I grew up, and it was actually a very beautiful pea. Like I like sitting underneath it; it was peaceful. But oh yeah. You know. Then again, it wasn't by a stream, and it wasn't a thousand bazillion years old. Oh, uh, that's true, too. So, and I have tromped through woods, like a lot of woods. Uh, the county where we grew up, uh, there were woods all over, and I would take little adventures. And, um, you know, sometimes the trees did seem spooky. Sometimes they did not. There were areas that were creepier than others. So Yeah. It, but what are you going to do? Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I suppose we can move on to Tom Bombadil. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yep. Woo. Uh, so of course, well, uh, we haven't rehearsed this, so I have no idea where Jody's going to interrupt me like, like I always. Um, <laughs> uh, so of course, Tom uh, rescues the hobbits from old man Willow when He's about to drown Frodo, although Sam rescues Frodo. 
and Mary and Pippin are trapped in the tree. So Tom comes and sings into the tree or chants and old man Willow releases him and goes back to sleep for a bit. And the hobbits go to Tom and Goldberry's house. Mm -hmm. And I suppose one thing that a lot of people talk about, uh, because I've listened to podcasts, I've read articles, uh, it's in some of the Tolkien books. Uh, it's uh, Quora. If anybody's ever used Quora, it's like this little neat place uh, online forum where you ask a question and people answer and you can upvote and downvote. So you can actually see the responses in order of uh, votes, vote tallies. Um, who is Tom Bombadil? He's that guy. Yeah, yeah he's that, that's kind of his answer, too, if it was written yeah, down. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> 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 he's he's Tom Bombadil. He is who he who, you know. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's that's kind of it. Um, uh, so have you seen then where people have either said he's uh, Eru or Amaya or Valar or or different things? Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, um, are are you going to reference the article where the, that the guy wrote about who he thought he was and logicked out who he thought he was? Uh, probably. I, well, uh, I thought I sent you that link or something. You, you did, and I have that, and I have a different thing, and I actually think I listened to that podcast on the way home if it's the same one. Oh, uh, no, this was an article. We're, right. Um, was it one by Olga? I, like I do not remember. It's, it's been a while. Yeah, oh. it's, yes, I think so. Okay, so yeah, I've read it. Uh, so it is different than the podcast I listened to on the way home. Okay. Um, and, and a few other things. So yeah, I've kind of got a big old stack of things and I've got my own opinion that I, um, no, we'll get to it. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you want to rule things out first or do you want to just say who, what, uh, or do you want me to go first? You go first and I'll kind of just chime in. That sounds good. Uh, I, I thought so. <laughs> Cause you are genius. That's right. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I actually came up with this when I read one or two articles uh, on my own, but I don't know if I came up with it on my own because I grew up in the country with a love for the forests and trees like Tolkien had, mm -hmm. or if there's like a little bit of memory in the background. And as I was reading a couple things, this memory came forward because I, I have seen a few things now. And I personally just think, and this is what Tolkien calls them is that he is just the spirit of uh, the, the countryside. And and that's it. I don't think he's Maya, a Maiar. I don't think he's Valar. I don't think he's anything. I think when Eru sang the, the whole world and he started the song and earth formed and everything, that he also sang Tom into being as that spirit of the countryside. So he's not anything that's anything else, which is also why he can't explain what he is when he's asked. Hmm. And, and that, Tolkien, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that that's an interesting theory. And, and Tolkien has said he's the spirit of the countryside, True. but that doesn't rule out him being something else. I just don't think he is anything else. That's possible. I, I don't know though. Wouldn't that still make him one of the, one of the Maiar? Uh, I guess he could be. I guess he could be an unknown or unlabeled. Yeah, just, it's just yeah, just somebody that Tolkien didn't. Um, not not one of the ones that are talked about in the Silmarillion. 
and and I see that that's my thing. Everybody wants to tie it back to one of the characters from the Silmarillion, either one of the Valar or one of the Maiar. And and for those of you who don't know what the Valar and the Maiar are, <laughs> um, uh, Eru is basically Tolkien's equivalent of God, the Creator. Um, the Valar and the Maiar would be the 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 angels. Yeah, kind of like uh, archangels and uh, angels. It, 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 yeah, and lesser angels. Yeah, or um, to the inhabitants of Middle Earth, they would have been more like. Um, because there is no organized religion in Tolkien's writings, which is very strange for somebody who is very Catholic. <laughs> um, but they, uh, the, the inhabitants of Middle Earth didn't necessarily worship them, but he, he, even Tolkien said they were kind of like the Olympian gods or, you know, what have you to the inhabitants of Middle Earth. Um, the, the Valar were the, the greater powers, the Maiar were the lesser powers. Um, and a lot yeah. So. Although the Maiar could be just as great as the Valar in, in certain areas. Like one Maiar might be more powerful than a Valar in, in an area. Sure. But yeah, in, in general. Uh, yeah, in general, the Maiar tended to serve the Valar. Generally, but not always. Um, I, and, and to tie this into the movies, uh, Gandalf and Saruman and Radagast were all Maiar, uh, as was Sauron. Um, so technically, the three of them were on a power level with Sauron, but they had been told not to use that level of power. And yeah, so, they, so they actually took human form, which limited what they could do. Yeah, forbidden to match him uh, well, power for power. Right, for yeah. and they had to work their way through using the inhabitants of Middle Earth. Yeah. Um, so you know, but I I don't know. I am. Uh, do you do you want to talk about what Tolkien when people asked him, or or well, where do you want to go next? <laughs> so so I, I was going to rule things out. Okay. Yeah. Let's rule things out. And and I know a lot of people go with. Uh, uh, so the Valar were more or less named all yes. of them. Yeah. And there's a certain set number. Although I suppose if this person came down and Eru sang him into existence, that's he could be. But it, is, it seems, I don't know, normal and like uh, symmetric to me because of the number of the Valar with the males and the females. And yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. That there is a thing with the, the Valar that they are. Um, I, there's what? There's an equal. Well, no. There's almost an equal number of male and female. But then you have Morgoth. But then you have Morgoth, who, unless you want to consider uh, Ungoliant one of the Maiar or Valar, and I'm not, I'm not sure that she shouldn't be, but I'm not sure that she should be either because she's kind of, you know, out there. Um, in which case, she would be, she would make up that number. True, because Morgoth was afraid of her and her. Oh power, yeah, so. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, she's she's, and and he was the most powerful of the Valar, individually. So for him to say, ah, "You you scare me," <laughs> that's, that's of course, there were other Valar that frightened him, but not to the. I don't think, kind of on the level that she did. Oh, uh, maybe Tokas, but you know, yeah. 
so so anyway, don't think he's Valar. Um, as far as Maiar, I I would say no, even though that right. seems to be a popular opinion. Mm-hmm. Mostly for the fact that the ring has no effect, and, and I do have a addendum to this. But all the other Maiar that have come, and even the powerful elves, are afraid to put on the ring. You know, True. Gandalf, Saruman would have been taken over. Sauron himself, some Maiar. Now, all of them are afraid of that power coming in, and Gladriel, Celeborn, Elrond, the, the most powerful of elves. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't think he's a Maiar, although, uh, and Tolkien wrote about this too, where he's a, a, a pacifist. True. Uh, a natural, uh, he actually called it having a Tom has a natural pacifist view, and he's so peaceful that he has no struggle within him, and he's just, he just is. Yeah, and so maybe that bit of power that everybody else wants or needs because they're for good or evil trying to control something, mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't care, and maybe so the ring doesn't have power over him. That's that's a good point. That's a very good point because there's yeah because there's nothing inside of him for the ring to grab onto to tempt him with. He doesn't yeah he doesn't want or need anything, which still doesn't quite explain why he doesn't become invisible or why he can see Frodo, I, I could see it not having power over him, but still the innate abilities of the ring seems like maybe it still <laughs> should, you know? <laughs> well, yeah. I, I see that. You know, could turn invisible, but not want it and just easily hand it over. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and that kind of rules out a lot of things because everybody else is ruled out. He's older than humans, elves, dwarves, hobbits, and mm-hmm. so not any of those. Uh, clearly, yeah. It'd be really weird if he was an ant because he doesn't <laughs> look like an ant. Well, and he was there before the elves and the elves taught mm-hmm. the trees to speak and become ants, so yeah, you know, transitive property of... <clears throat> anyway. Yes. Um, so what, what do you think? Well, or, or you can just go into what Tolkien said. Well, I, you know, I, I, I kind of have this attitude sometimes um, that not everything needs to be explained. And uh, I guess a lot of critics, uh, literary critics who reviewed or wrote about uh, Lord of the Rings early on, um, and, and when I say critics, I don't necessarily mean people who were critical, but just people who reviewed, uh, the books, um, uh, referred to Tom Bombadil as an anomaly. And Tolkien disagreed with that. He said he was an enigma, you know, an anomaly is just, is something that maybe could have been taken out of the book, but Tolkien said he was more of a, an enigma and that's you know why he left him in because it's that well what is he you know he's not something that didn't belong there he did belong there but nobody really you know Tolkien himself knew what Bombadil was supposed to be and would never outside of you know what you said of he you know he is a nature spirit or whatever he would never elaborate any more than that so um I think Tolkien intentionally left him ambiguous as to what he was. And, and I think that's really all we need to know about the character. <laughs> he is like what that. he is. Yeah. 
and and, 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 and I mean, there are, there's a lot of, there are a lot of other characters in, in literature and film that, um, that work that way. Uh, for, for the longest time, that was one of the things about the, the Marvel Comics character Wolverine. Nobody knew what his backstory was. And Marvel actually intentionally left it that way for a very long time. Um, and from what I've read, the only reason Marvel actually wrote an origin story for him and came up with the whole James Howlett thing and, or yeah, Howlett and um, the, uh, all that stuff that they actually did that origin series for him in the comics was because uh, by the time Fox started making the movies, Marvel went, oh shit, if we don't write an origin for him, the movies are going to. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think for, for uh, I, I think for certain characters, being an enigma like that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, well, why? It makes you think. It makes you wonder. It gets you more involved in the world because then you're starting to try and figure it out, you know? And it's okay. You don't have yeah. to know it all. I'm, I'm comfortable right, exactly. with just thinking he's a, a, the spirit of the countryside, whatever that means. Right. Well, if that means he's a specific thing on his own, he's a Maiar, he could be an unknown Valar. Uh, he could be Eru. I don't agree with that. But I, I don't either. And, and again, going back to that thing of there, there, there's a female counterpart for every male counterpart between the Valar and the Maiar. There's not one for Eru. So I don't think he's Eru because he's got Goldberry with him. Right. Yeah. They, they both seem to be spirits of the countryside and the streams of the countryside. It's kind of kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Now, do you want my Catholic view of him being Eru? Um, sure. Okay, so here's where I think I get to come at it from a different angle as many people because a lot of people won't have my Catholic upbringing and my inane nuts. I just like to read about Catholicism, even if I think it's <laughs> uh, because yeah, I like to argue with my family. <laughs> I'll let you argue with your family. I'll just ignore mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun. So, yeah. there's, so there's a line that some people will use uh, where Frodo asks Goldberry who he is. And she says, uh, I've actually got the book open. He goes, he is. And after a pause, she goes, he is. As you have seen him, he is a master of wood, water, and hill. That is different than yes. uh, the, the, the Bibles I I. I am not Popeye. I am what I am. Um, but something similar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but it, it still is close. I don't think that's a good answer. But when you go further and it talks about, well, he can't be Eru because um, one of the podcasts I listen to is because he's provincial, meaning, you know, he's not cosmopolitan. He's rustic bumpkin country boy type of thing. He has he has an area that he never goes outside of. Right. Yeah. And, and, and if, he, if he was Eru, that would not be the case. And it's, that to me is really weird because Eru's really, he's a distant deity. He, he, he created creation, you know, he, he made everything. Through, through music and which I love by the way but he doesn't 
involve himself in it. How do you know? And well, unless he is, um, because he, he intervened at the end of the second age on behalf of the Valar who pleaded with him to intervene. And that's right. when, when Numenor was destroyed. But how do you know he's not doing it more? Well, you don't. Again, that's that kind of that enigma thing. Maybe he is. Maybe it is Aru. Right. So that provincial thing, first I have to scoff at because, well, first, we're country bumpkins compared to that. And, you know, yeah. we're, we're pretty godlike. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but also, if you want to look at the Catholic view, Jesus was born Nazareth. Like, he was born in the countryside. You know, he wasn't born in the big city. True. He was born off in a small city. He had to go to another city to have... Uh, to, to be counted with his family, you know, that's mm -hmm. where they go do their um, thing, the, 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 the tenure every year we do it here too. Holy crap, it's in the news all the time, and that's why it's out of my head. <laughs> the census. <laughs> yes. So he had to go to the big city to get counted because all things about his father's family, where Joseph was from, too, yeah, all that. Yeah. Um, so I don't go with that. They also talked about how he is sort of, off like he doesn't involve himself like you just said True. another good point but in some catholic viewpoints uh the jesuits talk about it that's okay because god put everything into motion he does not have to involve himself now because it's going to work out the way he wants it to and that that is a very yes that i don't know where i was going with that um <laughs> no that that very much is the way I interpret um, what Eru does in the Silmarillion, he he brings the Valar into being and he he leads them in song, and it's out of that song that creation comes into being, or or what they what they sang, but but everything is kind of predetermined in a way, but not not completely, but yeah, but he he doesn't have to involve himself as much because everything is already set in motion by the song that the Valar and the Maiar, I should say, it was, it was both groups that they sang into, into being. Um, but what I, what I was going to say though, was um, it's like the, the deist point of view that God created everything and then stepped back and was not involved, which is really weird because Tolkien was Catholic. Oh yeah, he would not have liked the deist view at all. No, no, he wouldn't have. Um, I mean, we could, you know, get into how the Catholic Church doesn't like well, uh, anything the, else. <laughs> well, yeah, I was I was going to go with um, the Freemasons because the Freemasons tend to take, from what I've understood, a, a deist point of view on on religion and God. So yeah, that, um, that'd be a whole episode on itself. Yeah, and let's not go there right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you made a good point, which actually helps my point, in that they sang everything into being. Yes. What is Tom Bombadil known for? His singing. His singing constantly, just almost chitter chatter, pitter patter, singing of all sorts of weird nonsense words <laughs> that either are completely meaningless <laughs> gobbledygook or so deep the hobbits have no idea what he's saying. That but could be. He he opens up Old Man Willow, gets him to go yep. back to sleep. We'll talk about the Barrow Whites here pretty soon and how he cleans that up and and sings to the horses and sings to the flowers and sings to goldberry and even when he's talking to the hobbits it's half singing half chanting and and, and half talking which is 150 yes. percent, which means he has to not be mortal <clears throat> <laughs> i 
I see what you did there. Yeah, not on purpose. <laughs> Math major. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's the power of song, which I love. And when we get to it in a second is a good reason why maybe he wasn't in the movie because that would not come across very well. Anyway, that's my view on him possibly being Aru. However, I still don't think, I, I don't take him as that. When I read it, mm -hmm. I grew up Catholic. I read the book. I read about God, Yahweh, Jesus, Jehovah, whatever, um, the Holy Spook. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it, you do not get that same image at all as you do from Tom Bombadil. And when you no. read the similar in, in the creation, Eru is very much like the biblical God of the Catholic and, and Christian Protestant yeah. faiths. So, yes. Just out of curiosity, are you going to talk about the the adventures of Tom Bombadil? I I was going to point out that Tolkien was going to use Tom somehow because he'd written this poem about Tom and he really wanted to put Tom into a book, yeah. a story. That but the Lord of the Rings was taking up so much of his time he knew that he was going to have to put him in Lord of the Rings or he probably wasn't going to get to. Yeah. And, and that was about all I was going to say about it. Okay. But you know, feel free. Uh, no, I just, um, I was just wondering, cause you kind of sprung this on me earlier today and I haven't had a time to had time to go back over the adventures of Tom Pompadil, <laughs> even uh, though I, I did read them uh, earlier this year. Oh, hell, I haven't read it for a couple years now, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, no, I mean, about the only thing I could say about it is—is is he continued, it, and it was published before Lord of the Rings, wasn't it? Yeah, was, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very, yeah. That's what, he did that, and then he wanted to include him, and and yeah. so kind of had to. Um, but it it does it carries on with that um, that what you you were saying earlier about uh, just, well just a couple minutes ago about him um, singing everything. Um, his his dialogue is almost, of course, it's in verse, right? Or um, yeah, it's it's in it's own it's it's a poem, so it's it's all you know in verse and and so it's got a rhyme and everything, so <laughs> you know he basically sings all of his dialogue. <laughs> so um, it, it's a fun story too. If you if you haven't read it, um, I think it's I think it's just published under the title The Adventures of Tom Bombadil. I do believe so. Yeah. And actually you used it as a picture for one of our podcast episodes. Yes. Because I had those pictures. I just hadn't read the thing. For yeah. A while. Yeah. Um, I, I have a point still one or two that goes with Tom, but also goes with the next topic. So okay. uh, do you have more on Tom? Do you want to? No, we can, we can go on. Oh, well uh, I guess one thing and that uh -huh. is, why would Tom not have fit in the movies very well? And oh, um, Tom is very hard to fit into the movies. Every, every production that has been done, not, not just the movies, even the audio, uh, the, the radio productions that the BBC did, um, they have tended to leave Tom out. Now, I, we did, because we, we talked about this in a previous episode, and there is a BBC production just of the chapters from the Fellowship of the Ring that include Tom Bombadil. And that, that's all it is, is just those chapters. But it was a completely different cast and, and producer and all that, so. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't fit like smoothly. <laughs> right, yeah. But um, 
um, I, I, I studied film a little bit in college, so I'm not a film expert, but I, I do, I, I do think I, I have enough background in it to know when you're doing a script like this and uh, you, you've got a character that's kind of an enigma in a book, it, it works better um, in, in a movie not so much because then, and I guess in a movie, it kind of throws people out of the movie a little bit because then they're trying to figure it out and they're not, you know, they're worrying about that when they should be focused on what's going on. Plus, time-wise, you've only got so much time to do the movie. You know, I mean, you can take however long you want to read a book, but a movie typically has to fit in a certain time frame. Yeah, two to three hours. Yeah, More and like if you're going to... Yeah, so sometimes stuff needs to get cut out. And I do remember Peter Jackson talked about that it would... He, he felt that he and... and uh, Philip Aboyens and Fran Walsh, who worked on the script with him, uh, they all felt that um, the fact that the ring had no power over Tom would make people kind of question whether or not the ring really was as dangerous it was as it was supposed to be. Ah, that's a good point. Because yeah. in the book, you get it. Like, it's very pronounced, but in the movie, yes. yeah. maybe not so much. Right. So, yeah, in the movie, it, it, it'll come across a little different as it would in the book. Um, you know, and, and again, like I'm saying, trying to fit it into that time frame, something's got to be cut out, and this is the easy one of the easiest things to cut out of the book or cut out of the movie from the book. So yeah. I, I, uh, I do get it. I, I am disappointed that they keep doing it, but I do. From <laughs> from what little of a film background I've got from college, I do understand the need to do it. Um, I, I, just because I don't like it doesn't mean I don't understand it. So, and I I agree totally. And I would just add one thing, and that is, it's on film or anything else, you don't get the same feel for a character as you do in a book. And and Tom is, he's provincial, I'll give him that. He's got the yellow boots and the, the hat and the feather and everything. So he looks kind of goofy, unless yeah. you do it really, really well. But the reason why he can look goofy, and the ring doesn't have power, and everything else is a certain presence yes. of Tom as that singular, unique being that isn't affected by the ring and can do all these weird goofy things and still be this powerful like entity that you're still not afraid of right and that's a personal feeling that you simply can't convey on film like you can a, a horror piece true yeah 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 i agree is as much as i love these chapters i get why they're out mm -hmm. and um uh, there there may be one thing i, I disagree with critics on uh, so I know you mentioned it, but I know it's not your thoughts. And, and that's sort of the weird aspect of it. But I do think it fits well, because first, instead of just going from Hobbiton or Crick Hollow to Bree mm -hmm. and making it a very boring little thing with nothing in there, uh, Tolkien does his usual um, ebb and flow, where it's peaceful, then horrific things or battles or something exciting happens. And then they rest and they talk and they eat. Tolkien's big on eating and Bilbo did it at the Bjornings and they talk about food when they're trapped by Thranduil and, and yeah. here Frodo gets it at, uh, at, at Tom Bombadil and you know after the Old Forest and after the Barrow Downs they get the Bree and you know, Lothorian. It's this whole thing where oh look horribleness oh look food yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they were stress eaters? They're hobbits. They're just eaters of my enjoyment. Cat. My cat thinks he's a hobbit. I, 
I agree with your cat. That's how you should be. <laughs> that's, that's why we like Hobbit Day so much. <laughs> that's true. No, he gets breakfast and then immediately thinks he needs second breakfast. Second breakfast. <laughs> I give him supper. Where's dinner? <laughs> uh, tea time? Hello? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm talking about you. <laughs> fucking human. Yeah, that's the look he's giving me now because <laughs> I woke him up. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, I guess what I just said kind of will go from Tom into the next chapter, but did you have anything else on uh, Mr. Bombadil? Um, no. And I'm going to say no, even if I did have something, because otherwise we're going to not get to the next chapter. That's true. You know, uh, what I do find out is that everybody has these questions on Tom. Uh -huh. Nobody asks about Goldberry. He just, daughter I, of the river. There she was. Oh. <laughs> you know, I do, I do occasionally see them, but no, it, you're right. Most of the time it's about Tom. And, 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 and I think some people have used trying to figure out Goldberry as, as a way to try to figure out who Tom is. Maybe if they could figure out who she is, they could figure out who he is. Maybe they and, can use Tom to figure out who she is, fuckers. Well, I see that. And again, that kind of goes back to the thing of, I don't, I don't think it's anybody that Tolkien mentions in the Silmarillion. I don't think either one of them are. No, I, I don't. That's why I think they're unique spirits yeah. of the countryside stream rivers thing. Then they're unique, singular, yeah. and that's why they go well together. And yeah, and, and see, again, you know, okay, I, I guess we are going to talk a little bit more about this. <laughs> what, what you were saying, uh, you know, because this was something that, uh, this was a character Tolkien had created, I think, prior to Lord of the Rings separate from Lord of the Rings, certainly, and was trying to find a, you know, a, a book to put him in and, and decided to put him in Lord of the Rings, it, you know, that, that he wasn't created with the intention of being part of that world originally, you know, so, so again, that, that whole thing of him being an enigma kind of plays into that. So, <laughs> yeah. But if he's the, if he's a spirit of the countryside of the Midlands in England, uh huh. But he's been there since the very beginning. He would be there till the end. So he's there during the first age, second age, third age, and now the fourth age too. So why yeah. is he still? You know, he yeah. might not have been created because he was already there the whole yeah. time. Although I think we're on seventh or eighth age. Let's not get into that because I'm going to start getting into uh, apocalypses. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, Tolkien did say, um, I, and I don't remember, but I think it was he said that um, this would be the seventh age. Uh, that sounds vaguely familiar, but I never, I, ever, ever remember it. Until... I think, I think it was seventh. I'm not entirely sure. Well, that would be a completely different topic too. Yes, it would. Cool. Anything else on? Uh... Um, I, I'm going to say no again and hope that we don't get sidetracked back to it. <laughs> yeah, and it's been my fault so far. <laughs> so after relaxing at Tom's house, the uh -huh. hobbits are sent on their way to Bree where Tom gives them directions but uh -huh. also gives them a little rhyming thing so they can rhyme it out and sing it and chant it. So if they're in trouble, they call him. Yes. And what happens? <laughs> Furry-footed little fuckers <laughs> decide to take a nap. And by decide, I mean, I'm pretty sure after lunch and then the sun and probably some magic of the barrows. Yeah. Fall asleep. Wake so up. I'm thinking a lot of the magic of the barrows, though. <laughs> sleep. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, sun goes down, they wake up, freak out, there's fog all over, they can't see anything, the uh, little gate they thought they saw 
you know, instead they're the barrows, the monoliths, the teeth in the hills, because it looks like teeth. Uh, I love Deef. that image. Teeth. Teeth. Taxman, Mr. Teeth. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I, I will say, I'm going to start because uh, th this is my favorite chapter and it's reminiscent of my favorite uh, scene in the film and, and I'll get to that in a second. But I, I loved, and when I played D&D &D and I'd read books and everything, for some reason, the undead were just always something enticing to them. I mean, I, I didn't want to be an evil undead. Right. Even if that's what we're going to end up being in the future. Um, True. But there's just something about those chapters, like that chill and horror, but portrayed in a way that wasn't like, I, I don't know, as a kid, I was scared of scary movies, horror films. Right. Yeah. Um, but but reading it in the way that Tolkien or some other writers do is more visceral and yet less, like, I, I don't know how to say it. I, I could handle it and it was engrossing to me. Yeah. I think I get, I, yeah, I'm not sure what a good word for that would be, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> There's probably some middle old English word that Tolkien would know. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, the enigma part of Tom is followed up with the Barrel Downs where the Whites are there and they're about to kill all the hobbits. Um, Tom comes and saves them, but the whole, uh, when Mary wakes up, ah, the men of Cardoom have come upon us, and, and Tom mentions a bit of their history, but there's like this whole, because I haven't read the similar, similar, silver ah, son of a diddly, can't say it when I'm sober. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm only have done with my pint, I'm not even remotely. <laughs> oh, you only had a pint? It comes in pints. Well, what, just, what, are, what are you on? <laughs> well, I was I was drinking an arrogant bastard, and that never comes in pints. <laughs> oh well, yeah, this one was a four pack. Uh, it's actually a, a pint, a full pint. Okay. Um, of a, a yeah, because you you know arrogant bastard. <laughs> They're uh, always yeah. in smaller, uh, large, yeah, <laughs> larger containers. <laughs> yes. Uh, or or at least the ones I buy are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep, and I think what you're drinking is twice the alcohol of what I'm drinking. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah, mine's 4.5 or 4.7. I looked at it a minute ago, so. Oh, I don't remember what mine is. The yeah, can's about, in the other room. About twice that. Sounds about right. So, anyway, so, barrel anyway, wise. Yeah. Uh, so just this mystery of what the hell, because I hadn't read the background history. Um, it, by the time I was old enough to read all these, it had been published. But I, I didn't, I hadn't read it yet. And they're like, what the hell? I, it's just an aura of fear and horror and, and mystique and, yeah. and unknown. And it's just it's awesome. Okay. So, so just a, just a point of order here. <laughs> it, or or I, I don't know if that's the right term. Um, if you have never read these books, here is a suggested reading order. <laughs> read The Hobbit then read Lord of the Rings, and then read The Silmarillion. Do not read The Silmarillion first. You will not go to the others. <laughs> <laughs> no, you will not. Uh, um, you, a... Yeah, yeah. Read, read them in that order. <laughs> that's a very good point. And only read that last one if you really, really enjoyed the first and really want to know the background history because it's completely different. Yeah. What was uh what did I read that it's more like the first ones are written from the point of view of a hobbit, a yeah. very down to earth 
and then that one was written by the elves, a very lofty. <laughs> yes. And yeah. And, and it also goes this way. The Hobbit was a children's book. So it's, it's very light in tone. And the Lord of the Rings is told through the, the point of view of the Hobbits. So it starts off very light in tone and gets darker as it goes along and then comes back to that lighter tone by the end of the book, by the, by the end of uh, Return of the King. The Silmarillion is Bullfinch's mythology. It is a collection of myths from the first and second age. So it, it's not like, or, or it's like reading the Bible. It's not like a children's book or a, a book with characters that are kind of childlike that have to grow up and then come back to their, you know, childhood home. It's much more grand <laughs> style of writing for one and, thing. And also, spoilers, nothing good happens. No, no. Nothing. Everything bad happens to everybody. <laughs> yeah. So, do you want to be attached to a character? Don't read this book. Yeah, because, yeah, chances are something bad, <laughs> something really bad happens. <laughs> Although, if you like, I do enjoy reading the end bits, uh, some of the part on Numenor and um, like Gandalf's little talk to the hobbits, like the uh, the finding of the rings of power and, and, yeah. and the, the Palantir bits. Those are interesting. And it's more background information without it being a big, long biblical textbook. Right. But anyway. Yeah. yeah good point. Good point of order. Yes. Hear uh, ye, hear ye. Again, yeah, again, I don't know if that's the right term, but that's... That's what we're going with. Okay. <laughs> you know what? People don't like it. They can do their own damn podcast. And if anybody of you do, you let me know. I will listen to yours also, as long as you keep listening to ours. That's right. Good point. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that, that's that's really like the Barrel Whites. I understand why they're not in the movies, because you don't have Tom, so you can't do that. Yeah, so they, yeah with, without Tom Bombadil, it really wouldn't make any sense to put the Barrel Whites in. Right. Um, but before I give my little favorite scene uh, that, that kind of matches up with the horror part, uh, what do you have on the Barrel Whites? Anything? Um. Uh, no, not really. I mean, you pretty much hit it. They're they're pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I I uh, I would like to I, I would like to know where the those barrows are because I want to see if any of that treasure is still scattered around. I doubt it. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm sure by now you know it's long gone. But yeah, I do like that method of Tom yelling it away so the spirit flees and leaving the treasures out for people to find to disperse. Yep. The, the evil. Yeah. Now, I don't know. Um, okay, so the word white, W-I-G-H-T, that was, that was what, an Anglo-Saxon term for man? Yeah, just man. Yep. Just man. Now, I don't know if it's Anglo-Saxon or, or Middle English or, or like a, but whatever. But yeah, yeah, it just I'm, means man. So, uh, so I'm going to guess whites. Anglo-Saxon. Yeah, that, that does sound. Yep, like we're book right whites or guitar whites, you know. Okay. We're metal whites. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I just, um, I, I know out of Norse, uh, I don't want to say the Norse mythology, the Norse sagas. Um, ah, I, I cannot remember what the name of it was. There, there was a type of undead in, in the Norse uh, stories. Oh, yeah, we'll yeah. Say it's, it's, it's close to the word dwarger, which is the, the dark elves, but it's not. It's something yeah, kind of close. And, like, and, it, and it was, they were, they were similar to the whites. 
to, to what Tolkien used for the for the Barrow Whites. So I don't um, they they depending on the story they could leave the the, the burial mound, but not always. Um, but yeah, they they were usually buried with treasure, and you know, uh, and that's usually what woke them up was somebody was coming in to try and steal their treasure. But you know, sometimes they would lure the person in. So uh, yeah, it, it's it's out there. Yeah, I don't I don't know that he got that from the Norse or the, the Icelandic sagas, or if he got that from the Anglo-Saxon. See, I thought he just used so white of, is just man, right. but Barrow. Um, we talked about in some of the other episodes, like the Robert Plant folklore and, and a couple yeah. others. That barrow so that, that, that would be the man in the barrow, which would be a dead body. Yeah, man, and yeah. So, but it's a man and not just the dead body. So it's an actual thing. Yeah. So uh, I'm assuming that's kind of where he put it together, and I, and I know he's the first one to use the term white, like in a undead sense. I yes. think. Yeah, I think so too. Which is where D and D got it from, and and our modern usage. Yeah. But yeah, well, I mean, I just think having the undead thing in the burial mound, I think, came out of probably the the Anglo-Saxon, Norse, Germanic kind of thing. That makes sense. Yes, I, yeah. I would completely agree with that. Yeah, since he grew up there, close to to what Sutton Hoo and in the burrows there. Yes, I believe you are correct on that, sir. Yeah, thank you, my good man. Yeah, you are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Oh, uh, speaking of Tolkien, um, the uh, the 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 movie. Wait, can you can you save it for the end? Uh, well, I was just going to say it's getting ready to come out on Blu-ray. Oh, was that it? Yeah. So by oh. the time this movie, by the time this episode comes out, it's probably already going to be out because I think it comes out sometime next couple of weeks here in August. Well, that was entirely too easy for me to try to interrupt that. <laughs> <laughs> See. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason yeah the only reason i know that is i was looking at amazon today and it popped up as something i might be interested in so uh, i imagine i'm gonna get that one yeah anyway um yeah after that little aside <laughs> uh so i'll make my last point about the barrels and you can say what the fuck you want um mary yeah, sword. I will. <laughs> uh, mary sword is necessary and probably a completely different episode where we talk about the Witch King and Eowyn and Mary and that whole thing. Um, but you need Mary to get the sword that was created by the men of Westernessa to be able to do what he does in Return of the King. And this is where you can find it. The, the men of Westernness? Yeah, Westernessa. <laughs> you know, I... I, I we were drunk when we talked about that, weren't we? <laughs> we? We were. I'm not sure that'll end up being anything good that people listen to, so I had to had to fit in my better mispronunciation, which is better than my other mispronunciation, <laughs> and give you credit for knowing how to say it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> now, Western knees was my horrible mispronunciation. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so you needed the barrel whites. For Mary to get the sword, and, and all of them, you know, Pippin, Sam, uh, all use them, but Mary especially needed his, and yeah. if you're listening to this, you know why, but we'll talk about that sometime, too. True. I'm, I'm yes. Sure. Yeah. <sighs> so, uh, before I, I mention my favorite scene, and, and you can, too, uh, you know, whatever, uh, did you have anything else on the Barrow Whites? Um, spooky. <laughs> no, I got, I got, I, I don't, um, <laughs> uh, 
I, I do I, I do enjoy the the chapter though it's it's pretty cool yeah um oh well you know okay I, okay real quick I, I guess i do have something i, I this will be more of a question i guess i need to go back and look and see if the thing about scattering the treasure you know opening the barrow and scattering the treasure around was actually um a way that you were supposed to be able to deal with those things out of the anglo-saxon and the norse stuff so I, i'm sure it was i'm sure that's where he drew that from I, I've never I, I'm read just, that. I don't know. I could yeah. be. Makes sense, but yeah. So um, yeah, it's, that might be something worth looking up. I don't know that we, you know, maybe mention it in an episode that we finally looked it up and yes or no on. Yeah. I mean, I know that typically those types of beings were almost almost impossible to kill. Uh, yeah, kind of needed one of the old saga superhero humans to be able to do it if if anybody could. And a magic sword. <laughs> and you already have to have it. You can't get it from the white. <laughs> yeah. Or 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 maybe you just need your spill and magic helmet. Spill and magic helmet? Spill and magic helmet. Spill and magic helmet. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. <laughs> so obviously we've talked about how Bugs Bunny and Warner Brothers are the reason why we know any opera. <laughs> Yeah. Um, What's but, opera, Doc? <laughs> see, it's so good. Uh, of course, there are a few episodes. Uh, anyway, yeah. Um, I, I will also mention that Wagnerian opera will play a small, maybe large theme in the upcoming Glory Hammer episodes. Oh, foreshadowing. Oh, dun, dun, drink. Dun, drink. I'm taking smaller drinks because I'm trying to make this last. It's almost gone. Well, I think we're almost done. Okay. One big swig and I could be done with this. <laughs> well, keep it because. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, you know how we are. Yes. Okay. Um, my favorite scene. Uh -huh. and, and this is both in uh, the Peter Jackson movie and the uh, animated live action. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, Bakshi's, Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings. Bakshi's Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And that is where when the four hobbits are fleeing, uh, the, they all like get under the tree root when the Nazgul come up and starts to sniff them out. Yeah. And it's it's not in the book because in the book, they're, uh, Mary's not even there. Pippin, Sam, and Frodo are walking across uh, the this countryside of the Shire. And Frodo sees the Nazgul and starts to put on the ring. Uh, Sam and Pippin don't even really know what's going on because they were hidden further away and better. Yeah. But but the how they did that how ralph and peter did that i love because it's just like the barrel whites that, that helps make up for the lack of them in the movies because it's just True. creepy and spooky and yeah uh. although i thought in the book it's still kind of creepy but yeah it, it in the movie and in both movies um yeah it is it's it's a lot creepier yeah and in the book you actually get like i think it's that one little scene is slightly less creepy but creepy but the whole section, the whole chapter is creepy because they see the Black Riders multiple times and they hear them shriek. Yeah. And you get it a little more, but drawn out. So it's not all at once. True. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that scene. I remember going to see that movie, uh, Ralph's in the theaters with my dad when I was a little kid, when it first came out. I, you know, I, my brother and sister took me to go see it and I had no fucking clue what was going on because <laughs> I hadn't read any of the books yet. I, I hadn't either, but that scene but, stuck yeah. in my mind forever. Yeah, I had I had seen the the Rankin Bass Hobbit, 
and completely forgot about it for years until we watched it on VHS. Uh, the the animated Hobbit, um, which was a TV special, and then yeah, the the back she, my brother and sister took me to go see it, and I loved it, but I didn't have a fucking clue what was going on. <laughs> and I had a I had a poster from uh, that had a, a a shot from the movie that um, uh, later on when we watched it on VHS, and and I think well I, I haven't watched it since it's come out on DVD. I, I have not watched the DVD version of it, but I think. I think when when I saw it in the theater, they actually had Frodo, Sam, and Gollum in the Dead Marshes, because I had a poster of that of a scene of of them in the Dead Marshes. I've seen that poster. I, I had the big movie normal poster with Gandalf all huge and stuff on yeah. it. Yeah. But I've seen that poster, but I don't remember it. Of course, what was I like five when it came out? Yeah, and it was we was around. We were would have been four, five, six somewhere in that, uh, that age I've, range. I've had it on DVD, and it's not in there it was an outtake or they had started the second and, and didn't get funded or had to quit or something. But yeah, yeah, I don't think it's in there. I think it's a, I think it was an outtake. Wow. I have, for some reason that's, I seem to remember of seeing it in the theater, but I, maybe I didn't, maybe I'm just imagining it because I had that poster. No, well, at that age, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And man, I had that poster and I may actually, I may still have the poster, but it, it, I know if I do, it's got a big tear in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah can't imagine yeah but um but no yeah yeah the, the the scene on the road uh trying to get out of hobbiton yeah when they when the black rider comes sniffing around that yeah that definitely in the movies was definitely creepier than the books yeah, and, and we could talk about the differences there too but yeah we uh, this has actually been a pretty good episode with very few uh outtakes and we are about an hour and 10 minutes in or so <laughs> So, um, oh, I'm, I, I'm sure I'm sure you'll have something for at least one outtake. Well, I mean, usually I cut out things that are pointless. True. Not a whole lot here. Yeah. This may be a long episode. And that's okay because it's for fucking Hobbit Day. <laughs> Probably should wrap it up then. Uh, but happy to keep going. Do you have anything else though? No, I think I'm good. Ha! You're just good tonight. I'm great. Yeah. <laughs> All right then. Uh, we wish you all a happy Hobbit Day. Yeah. In a couple happy days. Do what? I said, yeah, happy Hobbit Day. <laughs> Yay! And uh, happy one-year anniversary to us. Yay! And yeah, thank you everybody who's been listening from around the globe. Yep. So until next time, I'm James. I'm Jody. We'll talk to you all later. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. My headphones are tangled. I can't reach my beer. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> to make it smooth. How's that? Ooh. Ooh. Smooth. <laughs> That's us. Smooth with the capital smooth. <laughs> it's, it's like the Lando Calrissian cognac. <laughs> 40 parsecs of smooth. <laughs> huh. We, we kind of stayed sober and yet it was a good conversation. Yes. How, how odd. <laughs>